episode 123 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I hear zombies and opponents groan on a distant moon and paint with all the colors of an Escher-esque room. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. You earned that rhyming scheme right there. Uh, I tried. I, whew, I, I, I was practicing, practicing. See, I can't even say practicing. I was practicing Escher-esque so I could say it without stumbling, and I did it. Excellent. And hopefully everyone listened to our special edition Apple TV Plus episode that we just posted on Wednesday. That has a rundown of Apple's new streaming service and really goes in depth with all the new shows. We're joined by the Secondary Heroes Pop Culture Podcast for really fun, in-depth conversation about Apple TV+. And worth noting, as we get into our normal scheduled episode 123, if you're a fan of the morning show, see For All Mankind or Dickinson, Apple has picked them all up for a second season. Yeah, I mean, that was a fun episode to record. That was my first experience with the Secondary Heroes guys. They were uh, fun to talk to, and... I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised she got picked up again, but then again, I'm not really because Apple really has no shows, so they might as well pick them all up. Yeah, uh, pick up so. what you got. Yeah. <laughs> and but that's a whole separate episode. Be sure to find it wherever you listen to the App Advice podcast. This one we're starting with Apple's earnings report for Q4 2019. And in case you're keeping track at home, Apple's quarter- quarterly year runs from September to September. So. We also have the year-end report, but specifically for the fourth quarter, Apple earned $64 billion in revenue with $13.7 billion in profit. To put those numbers in perspective, in the year-ago quarter for 2018, they earned $62.9 billion, but a profit of $14.1 billion. So revenue's up a couple billion, but profit's down about a billion. Yeah, I mean, it's that's kind of interesting. See, but then again, if you start to look at the categories where things kind of shifted, I guess it sort of makes sense because a lot of the areas where they went up, they're non really things that don't really have much of a cost for them versus manufacturing items where they can get hit in China and other countries. And that's where we saw them take hits uh, over these past few quarters because it's just tough in those other markets. Yep. And really, Apple's main kind of growth areas, like you said, are services. The wearables is getting its own kind of idea. So that's where the watch, that's where they also put AirPods. That's gaining as well. But services is the biggest gainer. So when you look at Apple's quarterly breakdown of where the revenue comes from, the iPhone is 52%. But then services is number two at 20%. And then wearables is number four at 10%. So Mac is right there at 11%. And then iPad's actually at the bottom at 7% of earnings. Yeah, I mean, and if you look at how things shifted year over year, iPhone was actually down by about 9%, the sales of iPhone. Mac was down by about a little less than 5%, but then iPad was up. It was up by 14.45%. They did have uh, an, at least one new iPad over this past, uh, I think it was the 10.5 inch. Is that the one that came out? I think yeah. that was a new one. And then uh, wearables was up by 35%. And that only really includes the AirPods 2, which were released in March. This wouldn't have included the Pros because those just came out. 
Uh, but I think there was also a new Beats headphones in there at that time. And then uh, that doesn't include the the new watch either. Or it, it, the new watch wouldn't have made much of a difference because it was so late into the, uh, the quarter that the sales wouldn't really have had that much of an impact. But then services, that was the other big growth area. They were up by 15.28%. So... Those two wearables and services, they are really huge growth areas for Apple. So uh, that's really where the money's coming. And then surprisingly, iPad was up there because we saw so many times where iPad was down and not making anything or just flat. So it's nice to see iPad kind of making a comeback here. Yeah, it really is. And especially because we didn't, it wasn't a big year for iPad. You know, there was the redesign, but it wasn't like... You know, we already have the iPad Pro. It was like an iPad Pro 2. You know, it wasn't the first... It, it was just wasn't really a big, remarkable year for iPad. I know you, you're waiting for a new launch one that might not come till March. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm kind of waiting on the, the next iPad Pro. I'm just debating because right now, as we go into Black Friday, we're going to see deals on the current iPad Pro. Do I just jump on that, save a couple hundred bucks, or do I kind of wait? I think this is where I miss getting the numbers of actual units sold because I'm wondering, it's got to be that cheap iPad. It finally got to a cheaper price, and it was enough of a spec bump that people were really excited and just probably started picking up these things again. The, the Probably the cheapest model is, I'm guessing, what accounts for a lot of these sales, but we don't have actual units sold to know that for sure. Yeah, it's just predictions and estimates from third-party sources or our own kind of expectations. But from Apple specifically, we know that services revenue hit an all-time high at $12.5 billion, so that's the most they've ever earned in services in a given quarter. And that makes sense that Apple would then invest in Apple TV Plus and Apple Arcade. So those two aren't included in these numbers, but it shows that Apple's making money in services, so they came up with new service ideas to kind of help grow and build in that section. It was, I, but I'm curious to see what impact Apple TV actually has or Apple TV Plus, I should say, has on these numbers over the next year. Because if uh, Tim Cook is saying that the iPhone 11 is their mo their best-selling phone ever, that means a ton of people are getting a free year of Apple TV Plus. So they're not going to be getting revenue uh, coming in in the services department for every single person that have that. If they're in a family plan, that means their entire family's out. And there's like a, a big possibility for them, even though people may disagree as to whether or not it's worth spending five bucks a month. But you're kind of locking out all those people that they're not going to be spending in that area. So that could be a, a, a lack of an increase over the coming year in services from that piece missing. Well, it's just they have the money that they're making. So they doubled down and they invested it in shows. It's funny because Disney, their CFO said that they don't expect Disney plus to be profitable for, I think until 2022 or something. And that makes sense when they offered that three year deal where it comes out to like $3 and 92 cents <laughs> a month. I mean, but then you get people hooked. I think Apple's True. using that year to get people hooked. Like next year at this time, we're not going to see a big service growth from Apple TV plus, but Hopefully, with a year under their belt, they start building out shows and add to their catalog. And then you say, here we are. 
November 2020. Look at all the things you can watch on Apple TV. Yeah, I'm hoping that either they really expand the catalog or they do some acquisitions of content to expand out like a back catalog that will entice people to continue to subscribe after that free year is up. Well, that's going to be tough, too, because a lot of uh, content creators are taking their ball and going home. I mean, The Office is the most popular thing on Netflix, and I think 2021 or maybe even earlier, NBC is going to launch their own streaming service with The Office included. So there's not a lot of stuff out there. HBO is going to launch their streaming service and Amazon already has HBO stuff. It's not that much backlog content you can get. Yeah, unless maybe that's when next year is when we're finally going to see a bundle offer come from Apple to bundle all their various services to really make it enticing and get people to continue on or maybe pick up things they didn't already have. Yep, definitely possible. And so year over year, though, When you compare what Apple did in the entirety of 2018 versus what they've now done in the entirety of 2019, it turns out that they actually overall revenue was 265 billion in 2018. It's down to 260 billion in 2019. And you can kind of attribute that directly to the iPhone, where the iPhone was at 164 billion in 2018. It's at 142 billion in 2019. So that's a lot of the gap right there. Right, yeah, I mean, and it was really the iPhone that hurt, and because Mac sales were pretty static, iPad was up, the wearables was way up, oh, and, yeah. uh, and as we said, the services were way up. So really, it was the iPhone, which used to be the big, humongous, this was what they they were living on has really deteriorated over the years. So now with Tim Cook saying that this iPhone 11 is the best-selling phone they've ever had, I'm curious to see what these numbers look like in the coming year. Is this just rhetoric from them saying this, or is it actually going to turn into revenue and we'll see that iPhone number finally creep back up again? It is worth noting that Apple used to be like, had quarterly earnings where two-thirds of their earnings report iphone was responsible and like i said for this past quarter it was down to 52 percent. so it's a diversification of your portfolio but it's also an indication that the iphone itself is dropping and also iphone 11 iphone 11 pro and iphone 11 pro max are not really included it's like the first week of sales the opening weekend or barely anything this is pretty much the launch of the 10s and we know there was tepid demand for that so it makes sense that year over year your big flagship phone was the tennis you might have a drop so we'll see if the 11 and the pro can carry it for 2020 true i didn't think to look to see 2017 to see s year versus non-s year to see how those if it keeps dipping and coming back up every other year uh that would be interesting to know Mm -hmm. and so That's a pretty good look at Apple earnings. There's a lot of different ways you can slice it. Apple's making a ton of money. They're not going to go to the poorhouse or file for bankruptcy anytime soon. There's some telling warning signs, but there's also growth. Apple hadn't had growth for a couple of years. And around 2017 and even 2018, we're talking, well, they're not really a growth company anymore. That's why Wall Street was kind of backing off and all that. But now they have two very distinct growing segments with a lot of room to expand in services and wearables because not everyone has an Apple Watch or AirPods. It might seem like it, but there's a lot of potential room to grow there. And with services, when you're talking iCloud and Apple TV Plus and Apple News and Apple Arcade, in addition to 
iTunes and all that, it definitely has room to grow. Yeah, I mean, in this Q1 coming up, this is their big quarter because this is all the Christmas sales. This is people signing up for stuff. And uh, they did $84.3 billion this year in 2019. They expect to generate between $85.5 and $89.5 billion next year. So we're going to see they're expecting to grow from where they were last year. So I guess we'll uh, see if that comes to fruition. Wouldn't that be an all-time record, too? I think so. I think that is. Yeah, because I thought... Because their low end is 85.5. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that it would be a new record. So 85.5 to 89.5. Apple usually hits right in the middle of their estimates. They're pretty good on their guidance. It's not like they're... When they're very off, it's a big deal. You'll hear about it. So they have a lot of people working on it. So they hit that guidance. Yeah, my guess is they already kind of know with the iPhone 11 sales, uh, maybe they see that they're kind of making up for the deficit they've had in the past, this past year. And uh, yeah, so I guess we'll see. Yep. And again, holiday quarter is Apple's Q1. It's their biggest thing. It sets the tone for the rest of the year. That's great guidance for them. But for Q4, $64 billion, it's more revenue, but their profits are down because Gross margin is slightly increased. And of course, there's the whole tariff idea and cost of production and all of the acquisitions of paying Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston a bunch of money. <laughs> it comes down, your profits drop. Yeah. Well, and then they also had to reduce the 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 price they were selling the phone overseas, so uh, to make it more to get people to actually buy it. So yeah, there were a whole bunch of factors that are eating into the to those uh, profits. Yep. And so that's Apple Earnings Q4 2019. And one of the services we did talk about, we like to focus here at the App Advice Weekly <laughs> Podcast, and that's Apple Arcade. And our Apple Arcade spotlight continues. This week, starting off with Manifold Garden, where it's a 3D puzzle game that is probably the most 3D of any of these 3D puzzle adventure games that you've come across. We've talked about a bunch, I, a ton. You know, have the room and the witness <laughs> and... The, the Da Vinci game. I mean, pretty much half of the games it seems like we talk about are 3D puzzle adventure games. So Manifold Garden takes that formula and really just makes it more like ambiguous. It's like there's a nebulous idea to it where it's just these kind of really abstract nothingness as your surroundings and you're walking through these familiar like cityscapes. But then you go outside and like you we're talking about in the intro, you get those MC Escher type of weird scaffolding buildings off in the distance and you can fall endlessly and then still land. It's really weird stuff going on. But the core game is that you need to flip gravity to get into the right position to solve these given puzzles. Like it might be as simple as you need to tap this switch to open the door. Well, to get to that switch, you need to be on the right plane the right surface to get to it so you have might have to flip all gravity four different ways to get into the right position and then as you go you'll need to pick up boxes and those boxes have a weighted to a certain gravity so now you need to flip gravity and put them on ledges or maybe you need another box to hold another into place as you flip gravity and just all these various gravity puzzle ideas to get you into that idea of three dimensions and how each potential wall roof and floor could be potential floors going forward. 
Yeah, so what immediately captivated me with this game is just the visuals, but then the whole flow of the game. So I did, and I had an issue where I couldn't even get the game to load up on my iPad Pro. I have the 9.7 inch iPad Pro. Would not load. I know. This is why I need a new iPad. Uh, it, it loaded up, but then it was just a blank screen or it was a little loading thing spinning and spinning. And it never actually loaded. So I played it on my iPhone 10, which wasn't what I originally wanted to do, but it just it flowed. It just was you're just moving around and every puzzle just flows one into the next into the next. And you're just wandering these halls and then colors are changing and then you realize oh wait I need to pick this up or flip the gravity and it just felt just like perfectly fluid as you're going through this it never felt like it stuttered despite the the amazing like 3dness and graphical uh fidelity of the game it just seemed to move with no problems and I kind of felt like I just got lost in it I didn't even know where one puzzle ended and the next began I just was in this crazy Escher world and just moving around and like hours just went by and I didn't even notice because I was just totally completely into this game there's a great overarching flow as I'm playing this game I'm like this is one of the better experiences on Apple Arcade I you just get lost, like you said, into the whole world idea of it, how every puzzle flows into the next. There's no breakpoints or loading screens or menus or anything. So you're just continually exploring this world. And it's such a captivating, beautiful world. And then, like I said, you start in relatively familiar. There's a set of stairs, there's doors, there's walls and windows. Okay. And then you go outside. And once you see the whole scope of this world, you're like, there's a lot to do in this game. And you start flipping gravity and you're not sure what happens if I go off the edge. And that first time you jump off the ledge in this game, you start falling and you're like, well, now when am I going to when's it going to fade to black and I die? And you just keep falling. And so you're like, well, it's not like Impossible Road or Super Impossible Road that we talked about. You don't have to get <laughs> back onto the land in a certain amount of time. And so you touch the screen and you can start moving and adjust your flow pattern. So now you can jump off of one building and go land on another building that's like 5,000 stories down below, and your character's perfectly fine. He doesn't break his legs. He doesn't shatter his kneecaps or anything, and you can start solving the puzzle in the other area. And you flip the gravity and jump through ledges, and you start realizing that that's part of the game. That's part of kind of the puzzle mechanics, especially as you need to get blocks from one area and go to a completely other area to activate the key and open this next door. Yeah, that was a, almost a little unnerving for me because <laughs> I usually, when the game, it feels so expansive, then I get a little overwhelmed and I'm like, where do I need to do? What do I need to do? Am I missing something? My completionist thing kicks in. I'm like, did I just skip a whole section and I need to get back there? How do I get back there? I just fell all this all this way. I don't even know. And But for some reason with this one, I just went with the flow of it and I just enjoyed it. And you're just because I think if it were all these loading screens and it like the only thing that did make me nervous is what happens when I quit? Is it going to save my progress? Am I even in the right location or, or what's going to happen? Am I going to lose stuff I did? I don't even know what percentage I'm even done of this game. Like there were so many questions I had, but then again, you just enjoy it for what it is. And I, I, this one I had, I didn't know. I heard some people complaining that it made emotion sickness 
business, and so I didn't know what it was all about, and I still don't really know what it's all about, <laughs> but I like it. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I want to keep comparing it to The Witness, just because that's a similar kind of open-world puzzle adventure. That game is completely ground-bound into its given environment, and that's the type of game where it's not always clear where to go if you're in the right area. It turns out in that game, each section has a different difficulty level. So if you break right, you'll end up in a puzzle sequence that's like level eight and you should over be on level two. So it can be a little discouraging. This game doesn't have that kind of broken difficulty curve. So it's more free flowing and just exploration that actually ties and lends itself to moving forward. It's amazing how it's married together. When you first see it on Apple Arcade, you're like, this looks really interesting. That's about all you can take away from it. And then you get into the game and you see that it's this really engaging puzzle idea. Really smooth to control. You just swipe your finger on the left side of the screen to move. And you can also change the camera angle. You tap on the right side of the screen to flip gravity. Once you're facing a wall that's in a given distance so you can actually land when you do flip gravity. And that's the entirety of the controls allowing you to just get lost in the puzzle mechanics and more importantly, the world. Yeah, I think you nailed it with that whole difficulty because that was an issue I had with The Witness where you could end up in a section where you felt like you weren't prepared to do whatever it is you now had to do. Like you didn't get the 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 primer stuff that you were supposed to get. You somehow missed that so you didn't know exactly how to do the puzzle you were at. Where this, it feels like you're always ready to do whatever you end up in front of and I think that's why it flows so much better than I think The Witness did because of that. Because you never felt so overwhelmed. You just kind of feel like, oh, this is what I got to do now. To me, the the whole... It remind me of The Witness, but then aspects of it remind me almost of Mirror's Edge and then of uh, Portal almost at points, too. Mm -hmm. Just with the picking of the boxes and having to put them on pressure points and things. And... It was just like this weird world that you wonder what it's all about. And you're just, uh, I yeah, it's just there. I, I don't know. It's tough to explain because until you experience it, uh, I think it, it, words don't do it justice. Yeah, there's a lot of ambiguity to it. Like I said, there's this whole like nebula idea of it in this whole abstract sense, but... When you're actually in the game, you have it on your device, you're just engrossed into what's happening. It, Like I said, it's super easy to flow through everything. It's relatively easy to get into, so you can just be engaged by all that's going on. It's one of the best Apple Arcade experiences, one of the best experiences on iOS. I recommend everyone who has Apple Arcade either free trial or is paying the subscription price to go all in on Manifold Garden. I completely agree. And so up next is Stella, and this game is instantly familiar if you've ever played the game Inside from the creators of Limbo, where you have this 2D side-scrolling game with this kind of 2.5D idea where it's 3D environments, but you can only move left and right. And in doing so, you're going to go through these various kind of focused puzzle, action puzzle experiences. You need to get through this sequence but to do so, it's not just a straight sprint. You're going to have to use items in the environment, and you're going to have to discover what items you can use. If you don't use them properly, you're going to die. You're probably going to die often in great different, ex <laughs> extra expansive 
horrible death sequences <laughs> or really crushing or sudden, all kinds of different ways to die. And it's just so much like inside. That's kind of my only hesitation with this entire game. But if you just forget that inside exists or you realize that inside's not on the Apple Arcade, and if you want to play this style of game, well, here's Stella and it's a great alternative because it has a great design. It's easy to control. And it's not so obvious what you need to do in these given sequences. I mean, I think the second sequence in the game, I probably died like five different times until I finally realized what I needed to do. And then it gives you a more appreciation. You're sprinting along through this world, but you also need to focus and try to identify what you could potentially interact with that might help you because it's not always obvious. And like I said, you're moving fast. The soundtrack entices you to pick up the pace you're like sprinting you have something chasing you like okay go 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 but you also just need to take a breather and be like what can i interact with how will this help me is this going to work here and it's just a neat little exploration yeah i i first off i i had no idea those things were beetles at the beginning those little things oh yeah but i didn't until the achievement came until out. yeah <laughs> but and i felt like that sequence i part of that sequence i felt like i played it in another game maybe inside but uh yeah immediately i think i when i started playing this i'm like they obviously were inspired by inside for this game and the only thing I had uh, issues with were um, I felt like when you're trying to interact with some of the objects, it wasn't always responsive, uh, as it, as especially if you were trying to let go of an item to then move. Sometimes it wouldn't let go or it would continue doing like a movement action on that item, and then you would end up dying because you just couldn't move fast enough. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, the sound design was absolutely... Well, first, visually, it's amazing. Sound design was fantastic. Like, it's three, if you have headphones on, 3D sound, and it gets you into it. It gets your heart pumping, especially because they do these kind of fast sequences, and then they give you a chance to breathe. But then before you know it, all of a sudden, you're going to be locked back into a fast sequence, or maybe there's a sequence where you really have to be patient, but you're just coming off a fast sequence, so your heart's racing, so you end up moving fast again, and then you die. And then now you feel like oh i gotta take a breather i gotta do this slowly and so they do a great job of keeping you on your toes and changing up that pace so you never know what it's going to get and yeah there'll be trial and error but once you kind of figure out these things there's like these little aha moments like oh that's what i gotta do in this section and especially that second section i didn't die that many times in it but it had me on edge the whole time as i'm going through it just because these things are like walking up and down right at you at times and you got to figure out uh, different when it's safe to move i don't want to give anything away but you got to figure out when it's safe to move and it's i i i have been really enjoying this i loved inside so it's always great when you can play another game that's similar that is at that nice high quality and it's not just like a cheap imitation this one you can tell they definitely put a lot of work into nailing the graphics nailing the puzzles nailing the whole atmosphere atmosphere of the game to really keep the player engaged and on edge yeah this to keep it varied and so you never know what to expect you head into each sequence and you have no idea what's going to happen or what you need to do from 
running frantically, grabbing environmental item, slowly kind of doing some stealth action, and just you never know which given section you're going to. It's If you do like trial and error type of games, you're going to enjoy this because there are times you're going to fail. Get that out of the way. It's okay if you do <laughs> fail because there's really smart checkpoints. Each section is broken up. It's not like you have to replay a bunch of stuff that you already did. It pretty much drops you right off before the decision point in this given challenge. And really, like you, I think my only takeaway is that you have to be, or my only negative is that you had to be really deliberate to interact with some items where it wasn't always obvious that you wanted to actually grab this item and use it. And the game's like, oh, just run on past it because you're sliding your finger this way. And I would like that a little bit more precise to change that, kind of like the way Inside does. But again, Inside's not on Apple Arcade. And this isn't some, oh, let's quick rush this out and make it just like Inside and people will like Inside and get this. This is essentially taking that gameplay mechanic and building their whole story, character, design challenges, and environment based on that familiar mechanic. Right, right. Yeah, this is not a cheap knockoff. They, they've definitely put work into this. I'm curious if it would work better with a, a physical controller as far as the interaction goes and interacting with items, like if you're just pressing a button. Because I, I noticed usually it wasn't I would run by the item. It would be, well, I guess if I tried to grab it and it didn't really grab it, then I would move and I wouldn't actually have the item with me. Yeah. But other times I would like jump on top of the item or jump when I'm trying to grab it. And that was a little frustrating, but you get over that real quickly because it's just such a good game that you're willing to look past that because you want to see what the next creepy little area or next challenge is going to be. And you just want the story to progress and, and figure out what's going on and by all means pick up inside if you've never played it you never heard of it go look up inside in the app store it's not all of a sudden a bad game because it came out a couple years ago but if you have apple arcade there's no reason not to play stella it's an excellent job of making just 2d action platforming that somehow gives you intense fast-paced action and then creepy tense slow-paced <laughs> stealth in the same game almost sections right next to each other yeah and it's that's that flipping is what is so good about it because you have to keep adjusting and and that's half the fun of the game yep so that's stella be sure to check it out if you do have apple arcade you know tim cook made a note during the conference call that the 30-day trial is just ending for a lot of people right before the earnings were announced so this is that decision point do I keep going and actually pay $5 a month or did I play enough game? Well, the way Apple Arcade is going, Manifold Garden and Stella have just launched in the past couple of weeks. They're not launch titles. So the Apple Arcade is going to keep updating with great games. It's not like you just had those 70 games at launch. Yeah, I mean, they seem to be releasing four or so game, four or five games every week. I, I'm curious to see once we hit the start of the new year, if that continues into next year. But at least for the throughout the end of this year, from the number of titles they kept on saying they were going to have, they should be releasing new titles every week to get up to, to the hundred or so titles that they, they said they were going to have. So I, I, it, I'm already locked in. I'm, I'm, I'm going for the long haul on this, but 
if you uh, like definitely give it another month, even if your subscription's running out, give it another month because there's so much stuff on there and coming that you couldn't possibly have played everything already. This is the best five dollars you can give Apple. Like, there's a lot of ways to give Apple five dollars, you know, some tiny percentage of your phone cost, some tiny percentage of your Mac cost, but for five dollars, you can't spend five dollars better at Apple. Yep. And so then we did want to talk about a couple launch titles because there's still a bunch of those that we want to highlight. And the first is Punch Planet. If you are a fan of Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, it's instantly identifiable. It's a retro-inspired 2D brawler game where you move left and right, and then you have a variety of action buttons to perform different moves to try to beat your opponent. You have the enter or the health bars at the top of the screen. In this case, there's six distinct characters to play as. You can play in the arcade mode where it's just a quick one versus one. There's also a survival mode. Both modes allow you to continue and it randomizes with a new match. The survival mode kind of increases the difficulty of the opponents where arcade mode it's more stagnant in terms of difficulty curve. But really, just the idea is try to beat your opponent, do some button mashing. There's no buttons on if you're playing the touch-based version, so there's these on-screen. What they do is they give you six on-screen button indicators. Those are in fixed positions, so it's actually pretty easy to tap what you want. I forgot which one did which. That's just my own memory fault. That's not the game's fault. But it's really easy to move left and right and then use some of the six different buttons. Where I got stumbled or tripped up on was trying to pull off the combos. The game gives you a whole move list where it's like diagonally down, left, and up. And I have no idea what that means in relation to those six buttons. <laughs> I couldn't pull off any of the special moves. There's also a charged up move that I couldn't do. So in playing the game, I played survival mode and I beat the first two people and I was like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this game. And then they gave me who I was playing as, the actual character. So it was the same characters playing each other. And the moves that they did, I was like, okay, well, I don't know anything how to play this game. They've Every single move they've done, I haven't even been able to accomplish or even tr attempt. So obviously I'm not playing this game properly. Yeah, I ran into a very similar situation. I, I was able to somehow pull off the charge move, and I don't know how I did it. But yeah, <laughs> the buttons, they should have at least made them look different or had, like, letters or colors or something yes, so colors. that you could learn the, like, any other actual fighting game. To me, where it stumbled, like, I, I love the intro where they introduced the different characters. You saw intro. them... Yeah, yeah, you saw them all kind of landing on this planet, and you're like, whoa, this is going to be cool. The graphics are, I kind of like the art style, but then it just felt too stiff to me. Like, the, the characters, they, they didn't move as smoothly as I thought they would. They kind of just were there. The buttons were terrible. I didn't know, this is really one I should try with a physical controller, uh -huh. because I think it would be a lot better, but... I, to me, it just felt like a cheap Street Fighter clone, or just it didn't feel like it was up at the quality of the rest of most of the titles we played, especially uh, Manifold Garden and Stella this week. It just felt like it wasn't ready to come out, and they released it at launch, and I would have expected there to be updates to make it better at this point, but it just seemed a bit lackluster to me. Yeah, the point of having not fluid animations for the characters. I thought that that's on point. You would expect them to be 
more fluid through, you know, punches and kicks and ducks and dodges and jumps. It just, it didn't get to that point. And then also we've seen fighting games on iOS. It's not like, oh, these guys are breaking the mold or nobody's done it. I mean, Combo Crew was absolutely amazing in turning fighting just into swipe gestures where you didn't have to worry about button combinations. It was amazing how you could pull off great fighting sequences in Combo Crew. And then the executive was also a great fighting game, the 2D one versus one idea. But again, it used swipe gestures. It's not focusing and hamstrung by the buttons. Right. And it's worth knowing that the executive is now part of a alternate subscription service. But uh, yeah, Google Play Pass. No, well, it's also another iOS one. Remember, that was one of the titles that got bought, I believe, uh, oh, by I forget what the other company one? was. Yeah, the terrible one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so especially when you see like the nice cell shaded characters, you're thinking this is going to be like I'm playing animations like and it really I, I we've had, I mean, we even had Street Fighter on here. And while that had a massive on screen controller that got super annoying, it at least worked well. Like this just felt like they got the well, we can't give them Street Fighter because that we can't guarantee is not going to be on other platforms, and so we can't do that. So let's just hey, this guy's developing something. Let's get him. And it felt like it was just like a purchase so they could check a a checkbox that says we have a two D fighting game on here. It it didn't feel like it was fully done and i don't know it i'm hoping this one improves over time because it would be nice to have a, a a cool 2d fighter on here but as it is it, i don't plan on playing much more of this thing yeah i mean you could even skull girls has the on-screen buttons and stuff and it's an outstanding fighting game for mobile that would probably be the one i would recommend the most if you like the pure combat action yeah, that just was problematic with some of the uh, depiction of, of characters in that game. But otherwise, uh, yeah, that that definitely the controls were much better. The fluid, the fluidity of the the movement was much much better. This just not there. Yep. So that's Punch Planet. As promising as it looks, it just isn't as executed as well as it needs to be, especially for a relatively complex idea. Or not complex, but it requires a lot of fast-paced precision, this type of game. Versus, you know, Manifold Garden is more easygoing and forgiving. This one, you need pixel-perfect precision, and not having it is noticeable. Yep. And so then there's Tint, because we haven't really talked about that many puzzle games. And we used to talk about a bunch before Apple Arcade came out. And this is just pure puzzling, where you get a level, you figure it out, you move on to the next level. And in this particular puzzle mechanic, it's all about coloring and shading. And so you have to draw a path from point A to point B. And those points are colors. So at the start, it's relatively easy. You have a red line and a blue line. And you need to cross them over to create purple. And you reach the purple flower, you complete the level. Or maybe you have yellow and blue. And you need to create the green flower. Okay, we're getting it. We, we have the basic ideas of the color wheel well it starts to build upon itself because now the pathways become more intricate and you can't overlap twice say the blue runs over the yellow you can't then run back over a blue to get to the green because now you just have gray gray because you muddled your cutter you you muddied your color Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then you're like, well, now what do I do? So you have to figure out these long, drawn-out forking pathways, and then you start to get to these maze sequences that you need to snake your way through, and it just builds upon itself really well. There's a smooth difficulty curve as you're putting all these colors together. Yeah, it's all kind of set up in this, like an art book, and it's all these watercolors that you're drawing with. And as you go to each new section of this art book, they add new elements. So after you get through that, like, tougher maze section where you really have to be more precise, and you almost have to think about what you're going to do before you do it. Because if you start to just jump in and start to draw, odds are you're going to cross the wrong colors, or you end up with brown or gray that's not going to help you. But then, like, the, another element they introduce is a droplet of water. So there'll be one or more droplets of water on the screen, and now that lets you erase a section. So now you can drag that to erase some color that's on there to give yourself an open pathway that you won't cross a color so you can keep that starting color and maybe reach the destination you need to get to. So, I, like you said, it's got this great buildup of difficulty and introducing new elements to keep the puzzle interesting where this could have just as easily been a release where now they like have ads in it to unlock additional things or to get hints it's nice that you just with your subscription you get to play through this whole game there's none of this kind of locking you out of things you do progress from from puzzle to puzzle but it's a nice difficulty that you never really get super stuck. If you take a moment to just think about what you need to do, you can usually figure it out. So it's not insanely difficult, but it's thought-provoking enough that you're gonna, it's going to keep you engaged. And if you get like your heart racing from Stella, or you're super frustrated after playing Punch Planet, and you just want to relax, take a breath, this is a great game to do it. You can just kind of sit back relax and just zone out playing these puzzle games that aren't overly easy they're not overly hard they just get your mind activated enough to want to keep going from level to level the really my only problem was that you always had to press that next button just flow into the next level i'm going you know i'm, I'm on a roll i don't want to go down <laughs> and press your little stupid book uh, menu item to get to that next level let's go so I think the reason they do that, because I thought it was annoying at first, but then like Ink, you remember that that pinball game where you're yeah, you're it saves kind your of, pinball, you can yeah. see you get to see what you drew because mm -hmm. every person could solve these differently. You can take your time and actually shade in most of the picture. You can drag your finger around as much as you want until you hit that target, and then now you can no longer paint with that color you started with. So it allows you to kind of be artistic as well and create in how you solve these because you end up with this little piece of art in your art book when you're done. So I understand why they didn't kind of progress to the next one right away because some people might want to see what they drew and kind of just admire the art they end up forming inadvertently just by solving the puzzle. Uh, it would be nice if you did have the option to say auto jump to the next puzzle as soon as I finish so that we don't have to tap it. But I do understand why they have it in there. Yeah, I appreciate those little stills, but you could still show it to me and then let me scroll through or save it to a whole area where I can go back and go through a little art book that I've created myself where I go from levels 1 to 14 and I can see them all really quick. True, true. Yeah, they could do that. But this is just really a well-made puzzle game. There's always room for well-made puzzle games 
for your iOS devices. You don't always need to play these big 3D expansive adventure games like Oceanhorn 2 or something. Sometimes you just want a quick little puzzle game when you have a few minutes in your day. That's exactly what Tint provides. Yeah, and this, like, one of the big things is you never know with these puzzle games if they're going to add more levels or not. They say right in the app description that they're planning on adding, like, 130 more puzzles over the coming year to this game. So even if you've already kind of played through what's there, they're going to consistently be adding more and more content to this because they know people may not get to this right away. Maybe you're going to play this later on and maybe you haven't gotten to this game maybe we made you think hey i gotta try tint this sounds good so maybe now you're gonna start playing but there will be more content later so you might want to come back to it yep so that's tint and then i did want to just mention a quick little arcade action game for ios that continues the paint and color ideas and in this case it's called painty mob and I always have a special place for quick action games on my iOS device. There's just been too many throughout the entire 11 years of the App Store to just give away or give up on them entirely. So it's nice to have one on Apple Arcade. And this one's relatively well made. With quick action games, there's not levels. It's not an adventure. There's no scoring systems or anything or no three-star scoring systems. It's just last as long as you can. Go, go, go. There's a whole bunch of stuff happening on screen. And in this case, you play as this one character, and everyone's chasing him. And so to get him off your tail, you have to splash them with paint. So you move with the left side of the screen, and then you tap to splash paint. You only have a fixed amount of paint, so you need to keep picking up items so you always have a reservoir of paint so you can splash all these enemies. Because since it says painty mob, you have this angry mob on your tail. The more people that you paint the bigger and angrier that mob becomes. So almost half the screen is these people with pitchforks and (laughs) torches coming to get you, and you just got to splash them with paint, with tapping. And so as you're moving around through these different sequences, you always need to focus on what pickups you can have so you always have a supply of paint. And then once you complete a given level, so essentially there's an overarching paint meter. Once you complete that, you go on to a more difficult section but every time you do die, you restart at the very beginning. Yeah, and then what you can do is as you go, there's bombs that go off that kind of explode everyone around you. And then you might get exploded out into another area, which may be good for you, may be bad for you. You don't know. Uh, it's absolute chaos on the screen with this. So I, to, I, I don't know. This one I kind of enjoyed at the start, but then it kind of got a little repetitive, and I, I'm not so sure about this. I do want to. the The characters are really cute, and you can unlock additional a lot of additional characters, uh, which kind of change. It doesn't really change up the main gameplay, but it seems like they kind of change up like the scenery to kind of go with the character you've unlocked. Uh, I don't know that for sure. I've only unlocked a few characters, but it seems like it's that way. Uh, this is by Devolver, who have done the the Reigns games and a bunch of other fun, uh, Downwell and a, a number of other fun games. A Minute, which was that awesome little puzzle game that I, I really liked that came out near the beginning of the year. Uh, and so... I, I I don't know. To me, this one might wear thin fairly quickly for me, but if you are someone who likes these quick action games, there is unlockable content to drive you kind of to play more and more. But I guess buyer beware. I, I don't know. I think it's going to be different for each person. 
I just like that it's not free to play and ad supported and various in-app purchases to get coins to unlock new characters. Sometimes I want just a quick little action thing sitting on my device to play when I'm bored for a couple minutes at a time. I'm not going to extensively sit and play this game as long as I would Manifold Garden, but for <laughs> a couple minute burst of just chaotic, frenetic fun on my device, that's all Painting Mob offers and that's all I need. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't try to be something else. It is what it is, and it is good for those little quick distractions. And it just reminds me, I'm so tired of those ad-supported quick action games where I know, you play, yeah. you lose, and it's like, here's an ad. No, I want to just play again. I, I just died. I don't want to watch an ad for 30 seconds. Right, I don't want to have to turn off Bluetooth and Wi-Fi so that yeah. I, and then have a disconnect <laughs> from my from my watch, and then it's so annoying because then I miss my, my notifications. So, yeah, it is nice. <laughs> yep. So that's Painty Mob, and that's our Apple Arcade Spotlight, and I think that's everything for episode 123. Yeah, that's all I got. Be sure to follow us at AppAdvice and at AppAddictNet for updates throughout the week. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed it, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.